This is the Gender Justice Brief, a podcast of gender justice. We fight for gender equity by breaking down legal, structural, and cultural barriers and expanding protections. We want to see all people thrive, regardless of their gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gender Justice Brief. I'm your host, Erin Hart, Communications Director at Gender Justice. And in our row of season two episodes, really excited to have a new guest and a returning guest back for her first season two debut, Abina Abraham, Unrestrict Minnesota Campaign Director. Hey, Abina. Hey, Erin. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's like your first podcast since the insanity of the last legislative session. Yep. We have calm vibes today. More mm-hmm. more calm vibes. And Jay Belsito, our uh, organizer at Gender Justice, for your podcast debut. That will make you yes, first podcast debut. Happy to be here. Thank you, Erin. Yeah. So we have done quite a few episodes already with our legal team, and I'm really excited to have you both from our advocacy team on with us today, because what our advocacy folks do is so important to the work and to our mission. So today we're going to talk about community organizing. And before we turn to that, uh, Jay, I would love for you to introduce yourself to folks. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you're from, what led you to the work, and yeah, what have you been what have you been up to these days besides finally sending our children to school? Oh yeah, that's been nice. It's been a hectic week. But yeah, Jay Bosito, I use they them pronouns. I'm the organizer here on staff, and I came into organizing work over a decade ago. Out of high school, I had my oldest when I was in high school. I was a teen parent and had to navigate a lot of different systems. And that kind of brought me into organizing work and trying to figure out how to mobilize folks and change systems and things that were negatively impacting me at the time. And I, I primarily worked within electoral organizing work on different campaigns, Congress, congressional and local, and worked on some issue campaigns, worked for like the marriage equality amendment and Vote No Twice, the voter ID amendment that folks might remember. And and let's see what else. I got three kids over here. I got a my seven-year-old, my Isla, who's always lovely, and my 15-year-old Makai and the 18-year-old Lishan. And I'm in grad school working on my master's in social work. I'm also working part-time at Hennepin County as a social worker. So doing all the things. <laughs> Okay, I have no idea how you do that. That's amazing. So yeah, I've just, I've been really immersed in a lot of this work and it's it's been great to really, I've been at gender justice for about a year now and it's been great to work more directly on issues around gender marginalized folks and women and queer people and reproductive justice and a lot of things that I'm really passionate about, but I haven't been able to do direct work on in the past. And so it's been great. I came in during the election got to work under Abina's leadership and make sure that we turn people out, flip some districts, got a lot done during session. And now we're transitioning into how we bring more awareness into the community around the work that gender justice does and working really hard on trans equity issues and the school board election and all sorts of exciting things. Yeah, no, I'm really excited. We will have an upcoming episode on school board elections. So really excited to dig into that more. Bina, since it's been a while and we might have some new listeners joining us today, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and Unrestrict Minnesota? Yeah. Hey, everybody. 
it's nice to be back and at least not talking to you from a quiet corner in the capital. But I'm Abina, you she, her pronouns, and I am the unrestricted campaign director. I've been at Gender Justice for about a year and a half and has been able to be a part of the incredible work that we've been doing here to change the landscape for abortion access and reproductive rights and justice here in Minnesota. Jay mentioned some of our work at the with the elections. Uh, maybe we can start there because that, Abina, I was hoping you could take us back to the elections a little bit. What was our strategy there? And why did we bring on organizers? Like those were very new positions to the team. Gender justice has set precedent with our lawsuits, our impact litigation. Uh, we had done some work at the Capitol, but what led the team to start looking at organizing and bringing on organizers? Yeah, Gender Justice has been doing incredible work in the community for several years now, and we have really been focused on working in the nerdy part of change, which is the legal system. And over the course of the last year, with all that's been happening politically and just the shifts in society, we thought it was really important for us to engage directly with Minnesotans and actually talk about the things that we've been doing. So I know you all probably got plugged into Unrestrict through the billboard, the digital ads, and we wanted to bring those to life by having people that folks connect with and share their stories and have an outlet to really take things to the next level. We had an important election that we went through last year and we knew that we needed to talk to folks. And one of the things that we always do at Gender Justice and Restrict is we're really bold. And so we chose to connect with people who typically aren't connected with in electoral um, campaigns. And so I spent a lot of time doing reverse door knocking, which essentially is we didn't use any voter file. We just knocked on every door and actually had conversations and encouraged people to participate and told them, you know, what we were doing. And that really led us to have the success that we had with getting a democratic trifecta, and also being able to pass the bills that we were able to pass in session. And so we needed to add another tool to our toolbox and organizing um, was that tool because we knew that we couldn't just talk to ourselves. We couldn't just talk to other people in the work, but we had to expand that and talk to Minnesotans and really also to bring the polling that we've done to life. Because, you know, the other side's always, those numbers aren't real, but we we're able to do the work to make those numbers real and to show that there are Minnesotans that are a part of that reproductive freedom majority. Thank you. And Jay, what would you say community organizing looks like? Or what is it? What does a typical day look like for you? How do we reach people? How are we connecting with folks? Yeah, I would say a typical day is there's a lot of brainstorming about ways to engage folks, whether that's thinking about events that we can do and communities we can do them in and issues that people are that are impacting people and ways to have conversations with people thinking about the language to use to engage folks and really helping people tap into their own self-interest because these are things that people care about and that are impacting their lives and a lot of times people just don't know how to plug in and don't know how to be empowered to for example talk to their legislate legislators or come to a lobby day or volunteer to table at an event or volunteer to phone bank or door knock with us. So a lot of it is just being a liaison and really helping people connect in whatever capacity that they can. Um, and I remember, Jay, there was a, it seemed like at the time, and I, I think it was at the time, that, like a community that was organizing against a crisis pregnancy center, an anti-abortion center moving into the neighborhood. 
And I think you spoke at that this like community protest. What was that like for you? And was that organized by the community like here in Minneapolis or St. Paul? I forget that was like this winter. Yeah, there was um, an event, a protest in the spring that was put together by an organization called MNAC, the Minnesota Network for Abortion Access Committee. They do really great work. It's a lot of young folks that are doing organizing on campuses and in the community. And they were protesting this crisis pregnancy center that had opened in South Minneapolis over by Franklin and Nicollet. And a lot of folks came out. We had our signs. We, we talked and we all touched on the ways that our work was in the reproductive justice movement really connects, whether that's queer liberation or access to resources for low-income people who want to be able to have children or resources for folks who don't want to have children and are pregnant. And it's just really powerful to have people from all these different orgs come together and see the big picture and the way that our work intersects. And yeah, at that protest, we were able to have a presence on that corner. Folks stopped by and, and wanted more information. A lot of people aren't really aware of what a crisis pregnancy center is and does. And so we were able to give um, people a background on ways that they target low-income communities, communities of color, transient communities. That particular neighborhood is a low-income community of color. And they position themselves as the only resource for people to access prenatal care and information. And we were able to just establish a presence, push back, and it was a really powerful event. Right. Yeah. I remember seeing a video from the event and, and photos. So that's awesome. And I think you're speaking at one of the, an event for them next week. Is that right? Yes, I am at the governor's mansion on Wednesday. And that's just, they do, Manac does a great job of just creating a continuous presence. We already have, we're already like the North Star for abortion access, but they're still pushing for more funding, less restrictions, and just continuing that conversation despite all the progress that we've made in the last year. So I'm excited to turn out to that. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping the momentum going. Abina, what has the advocacy team been planning this fall without giving anything away? It's top secret information. But what has some of our planning looked like for our organizing work? Yeah, so I think at the top of our list is just engaging the community around what the heck happened in session. Even on our team, we were fully immersed in things, but sometimes, oh yeah, that thing passed, that thing didn't pass. And so when we want to make sure that we educate the rest of the community on what, excuse me, actually happened and what what's left to do, as Jay mentioned, the work that Minac is doing is continuing to make sure that we don't just have the right, but like it's affordable, people can access it. And so... We'll be tapping into um, the relationships we've built out in the community just to educate people, just to talk about what's next and how people can continue to plug into the work. And one of the things that I'm most excited about is we're really taking more of an intersectional approach and talking about all of the things and how it impacts people's lives um, in many different ways. And so how the fight for uh, abortion access is directly connected to the fight for bodily autonomy and for trans people to have access to gender affirming care. And abortion care was that first part of healthcare that was really secluded. And so we know that they're going to try to do that with other forms of healthcare. And so really collaborating with our partners in the movement to make sure that we have some uni unified strategies to really push back against the anti message. And then we also have upcoming elections. And so we'll be engaging in school board work and, of course, the legislative races that are coming up next year as well. So there's a lot of things that 
we're really excited about for the future. And what is the best way for people now to to plug in? Is it our email list? Is it socials? Is it texting? Are we going to have any community events? I remember, Jay, we had one or a couple last year. I think one, I took Eleanor to my youngest and she was obsessed with you and followed you around. <laughs> but it was so fun. But it was that event. It was such a great conversation to actually talk to real people who care about abortion access. This was under the part of our legislative session work for Unrestrict Minnesota and the laws that were part of the our reproductive freedom agenda. But yeah, are you thinking about events or how can people connect coming up? Yeah, we're going to have a lot of various ways for people to engage through events, through education. And so we will be rolling those out. I think the best way right now to stay engaged is to one, follow us on all of our social medias to sign up for the email list because that's where we'll be blasting events for coming up. And I don't want to speak for Jay, but Jay's always willing to have one-on-one conversations with folks out in the community. And so reach out directly to them and they can connect with you. Yeah, seconding everything Abina said, I do love one-to-ones. I love connecting with folks individually and tapping into what they're passionate about and what their time and flexibility looks like and their bandwidth to just figure out, even if it's helping us on a text campaign once a month or something like that, there's always a way to get involved. Writing a letter to the editor, regardless of what your capacity is, there's a lot of ways that people can um, plug into the work that they're doing in a really meaningful way. Yeah, no, you're so right. I remember last session we we did a, a letter to the editor campaign and we ha- you were connecting us with folks and we were helping them with drafts and we got at least four or five published. It was really exciting. Definitely. The events are always fun too. Like we always make sure that we feed people and have some fun things going on and kid-friendly and all of that. So yes, yeah, they- absolutely. How does Lobby Day fit into organizing. Would you consider that community organizing? Yeah, definitely. I think Lobby Day is a a great way for folks to get acquainted with everything that's going on at the Capitol and the work. A lot of people who maybe are intimidated by the thought of meeting with their um, state senator or state representative, that's a great opportunity for us to familiarize with them and make sure they're comfortable. We have a lot of fun. We feed people. We get to know each other. We give folks scripts and help them learn about how to arrange these meetings with their representative and how to talk about the issues that are important to them that we're advocating for as an org. And we've typically done that once a year at a point in session when we can really make an impact and have folks show up. And our representatives actually really want to hear from us and are really receptive to hearing from us and talking to us. So I think that's a really good way to get people plugged into that process and, and help remind folks that we elected these people, they work for us, their job to represent us, and they are accountable to meeting with us, talking to us and hearing about what's important to us. And Abina, would you say that's still important now when the legislature is not in session? Yeah, I always tell people that your elected officials are actually your employee. We hire, fire, and get to evaluate them. And so it's really important to make sure that they hear from you at all stages, um, not just when sessions happening, but even when it's not. This is the time that you can actually have their full attention because they don't have committees to go to. They don't have floor sessions to go to. And you can actually talk with them and get some support on crafting legislation that you're interested in. And you can actually get organized things with your neighbors and get them to come out and talk to you. And so this is an excellent time um, to be reaching out to folks. And 
I also remind folks that these legislators are humans. Um, and so it's important to also thank them. A lot happened uh, last session. And although we have more things to do, it's good to build some rapport so that when we go to the Capitol during session, like we're in relationship with one another. And yeah, it's, it's always great to engage and, and have those ongoing conversations. Thank you, Abina. I will make sure that I write to my representatives. I don't want them to forget about me. But I filled out all of our action petitions over a session and my senator and representative got back to me and I felt connected to them. It was cool. But Jay, you mentioned earlier that you've been doing some organizing or in coalition partnership with other groups about transgender rights and I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more to that and maybe some of the issues that you're hearing about in the community and in coalition. I feel like Minnesota, like we're, we all often lift ourselves up as we did accomplish all this stuff during session, but it's not like a, oh, problem solved situation, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, we've noticed a trend of trans people and trans issues really being a increasing target issue nationally. But we see it happening locally too. attacks on trans folks. And as Abina said, this is connected to more broadly bodily autonomy, white Christian nationalism. It's all one and the same. And this is just the more recent aggressive tactic that the right is using to garner support, create fear. And we're really seeing the, the ways that they're doing this by targeting trans children, by inciting a lot of fear within parents. And therefore, we're seeing a lot of this happen within schools and in healthcare settings and things like that. So we're really, unfortunately, on the defense because the right, our, the opposition is, has been planting the seeds of this for a long time and has a lot of money and a lot of support. And, and so what we're trying to do is just bring it to people's awareness that this is happening. A lot of it's public education. People aren't really aware of the extent of what's going on and the ways that this anti-trans propaganda is really fueling a lot of what's happening in these elections and political landscape. So a lot of public education around the school board races that are coming up, school board races nationally are a hotbed for, for conservatives to tap into this really hateful rhetoric against LGBTQ people as a whole and anti-critical race theory, anti-social emotional learning, all of that. And so we're really just trying to get on top of that and help folks recognize how important it is. Trans people are one to two percent of, of the country. It's Trans people are very marginalized and it it really doesn't make sense for this to be a focus issue, helping people recognize the ways that trans folks disproportionately experience a lot of violence, whether that's literal violence on the street or violence in the workplace and healthcare settings and things like that. And we're going to continue to advocate for those issues, both in the legislator, legislative session, upcoming legislative session, but also in the community is just really, as I said, like connecting people to the work that we're doing and public education and how to have conversations about people in their families and in their communities about trans and gender nonconforming people and pronouns and how to be a supportive neighbor and community member towards these people who are under attack. Yeah, no, thank you. It's interesting too, when you think about all the, when you just read the newspaper and read about all the problems right now with the climate crisis, extreme weather, the economy, I, I just there's so many actual like real problems affecting people's lives. And then a small group of people are being targeted. And it's anyway, it, it blows exactly. my mind on a regular right. basis. We have like real problems to solve. And 
you mentioned the piece, Aaron, of there's so many things happening out in community that we should be engaging around, but fear-based rhetoric organizing really works. And that is why it's so important for us at Gender Justice to tap into this organizing work because one story can shift somebody's mindset. And we've seen this over and over in the work that we've done around access to abortion care. And just want to encourage listeners to get involved, to actually tell your story, to actually talk about your experiences, because those things actually make a difference. People are pulling things that are just made up, like things that have not happened, but your real experience actually trumps whatever potential hypothetical things that are being shared out there. And so tap into the work, fight back. Although we're on the defense, we can shift to have more power if we actually come together and use our collective voices. Absolutely. Like the one of my favorite analogies or least favorite is the way that, for example, anti-abortion activists have co-opted every billboard across the state when you're driving between towns in Minnesota. And even though they in no way represent the majority of Minnesotans' views on abortion access. But yeah, speaking of folks outside of the Twin Cities metro area, do you see our work reaching folks outside? Our organization is based in St. Paul. Uh, Jay and I are in Minneapolis. But what does our organizing look like for folks who might not be right here in the, in the metro area? Our team is continuously expanding. We're continuing to deploy different types of strategies. One of the nice things is we have a lot of digital tools, and so we're able to digitally engage folks. We did have a canvas that was running during session where we were talking to folks outside of the metro area. And so we're consistently um, deploying different strategies to make sure that we're not just talking to people in the Twin Cities, but we're also talking to people outside. And like I said, creating opportunities for people to connect and tell stories in local indivisible group meetings. We've engaged with student groups. And so we're consistently going out to the community and meeting people where they're at and educating them. And we will continue to do that work. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm literally, I am community organizing tomorrow, you guys. I'm going to Mankato with Grace, our advocacy and engagement coordinator for Pride. So and I call myself a community organizer. Yes. Awesome. We're nearing the end of our time uh, on this Friday afternoon, but um, I wanted to ask you both if you had any final thoughts to share about the work ahead and the importance of uh, community organizing. I was just going to say, as, as we've mentioned, and we continue to hear, Minnesota had an amazing legislative session, but that work happened because of years and years of organizing. And so now is not the time for us to sit and be like, oh my God, we're the best, we're the greatest. Let's continue to work together. Let's continue to be out in community. Let's continue to engage the people that haven't been at the Capitol and continue to build on the progress. We're only as strong as we actually are out in the streets and talking to one another and really building those relationships. And so join the work, plug in somewhere uh, and pay attention to what's happening because there will be pushback to what we've accomplished and we need to be ready to stand up and defend it and to also expand and make sure that every Minnesotan sees themselves reflected in the work that we're doing um, in the state. I love that, Abina. Yeah, all of that. And I really want to help folks understand that as community members, we have an obligation to each other. I really want people to recognize that community is a value and that we need each other and that we sustain each other. And that when we give our time, it's not to gender justice or to the org that we're working with, but we're 
we're putting in this time and energy for ourselves and for our futures and for our communities. And so I think helping people make that connection and realize how important it is, how um, important these face-to-face conversations can be. Those are the conversations that really change hearts and change minds and get things done. So really looking forward to connecting with folks, moving forward and finding ways for everyone to plug in. Awesome. Thank you, Jay. We are so lucky to have you. And we're going to have you back on the podcast because no one is on the podcast only once. Everyone at Gender Justice comes through our virtual doors. But yeah, thank you so much for stepping in today and talking to us about your work. Thank you for having me. And Abina, you too. It's lovely to see you on a Friday afternoon when all of our brains are mush. But this work is really important and I appreciate you digging in a little deeper with us today. Thank you, Erin. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Gender Justice Brief. This show is produced by Gunter Janel and Audrey Griegas. To keep up with our work in real time, be sure to check out the show notes for where to find us on the web, social media, and to sign up for text updates. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share to help us spread our message. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.